But good morning. Okay, I'm not going to make a political statement here, but I am. Are you okay with this? You always ask me that. I don't know what you're going to say. I'm one who believes we should open up and let everyone in. And it's nice to see so many of you here today. Did you catch that? I think there's a place where we should gather as a community of faith and worship together. And it's, it's been a tough nine months. So uh, thank you for being here. And it's not about me, I know that. It's about our worship together to our mighty God. So it's a joy that uh, I can stand here before you. I thought I would, I thought I'd be okay this morning after last night because we had a Saturday service and I thought, okay, that'll, that'll kind of pave the way and, and I'll... That's how it works. Yeah, that's not gonna work. <clears throat> so uh, I've got some Kleenex here, I'm okay, and I've got a hanky in my pocket, it's clean. But uh, I wanna say to you all, it's, a, it's been a joy to serve Community Reformed Church and uh, to get to know so many of you. But I do wanna say a special thanks to Pastor Trent. He is, uh, he's like a brother to me. And I've grown to, to love him. I started here just a few months after he was here. And it's, I, I, I will tell you this, this has been the best journey I've had in life serving with you and being here. But there is a time for everything. And as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, and a season for every activity under heaven, time to be born and a time to die, you know the rest that goes on. But this year marks uh, my 10th year in ministry and where the vast majority of the time has been here at Community Church. Uh, over seven and a half years. I can't believe how fast they've gone. I'm grateful for the days, the weeks, the months, which have been marked by numerous interactions with people. You, many of you sitting right here. I've had the privilege of being your pastor of congregational life. People would ask me, what does that look like? What do, what do you do? I said, uh, I care for people. And, uh, and that's about all I'll say about that. I care for people in a lot of different ways, whether through divorce care, grief share, classes like Grace and Truth, the 55 plus group, I can go on. But I've had many hospital visits. I've stood or sat by the bedside of, of many here, many in the previous service and last evening. I've been blessed to be close to you through tough times. But then some joyous times, like I see Tay and Sarah here. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, Saturday, they were married in the Mosaic service. I can say I'm leaving the ministry, and Sarah said this, with my first international wedding. You see, Tay is, Tay Hung Kim is from South Korea, and they're living here now. And uh, so his parents came, from South Korea, they flew for the wedding. We had a beautiful little ceremony in the Mosaic uh, Worship Center. And then just Christmas Eve at two o'clock, 
I performed another wedding, a little different than you, Sarah Tay. Uh, this was a couple that's 80 years old, or I should say 80 years young, because they're very young at heart. And they made their covenantal vows together on Christmas Eve. So what a joy it's been. Um, I'll say it's been uh, a lot of difficult times, and maybe like the tale of two cities, these were the best of times and maybe the worst of times in some ways. However, that's life, and it's about how we walk together. It's uh, how we serve one another. I shared this morning earlier that uh, I'll never forget the day a few years ago where the day started with a visit I had with the oldest member of our church, Catherine Elzinga. She's now past, she's in glory, she's home for Christmas. But she was the oldest member of our church and a lovely lady. I didn't share this, but there was one thing I remember about her is up to her last week of life, she was faithful in giving financially to community church. I actually remember her giving me an envelope to bring to church. But then that, that, later that day, something joyful happened. I, I got a call, I got a message that someone had had a baby. So I was at the Bovin uh, maternity unit at Holland Hospital at the end of that day holding the newest member of our church. So what a way to start the day, the oldest and the youngest. I actually think I was, I'm more blessed than any of the other staff because I've been, <laughs> it's just a lot of fun to be with people. And that energizes me. But some tough times. As the writer of Ecclesiastes says, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to weep and a time to laugh. The prophet Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 43, and I think this helps us to understand the challenges of life and that God is always with us. And as I'm gonna share in a few moments, a covenantal benediction. That is, I believe, one of the greatest ways to end this year and a most wonderful way to start 2021. But Isaiah said this, he said, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name, you are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Ten years of ministry. Well, one of the ways I marked that ministry is I've done 133 funerals, memorial services, and most of them have been under the helm and on the ship of Community Church. Many of them have been people outside of our church, but I served, and as I've done them, I served them and their families as really part of community church. 
That's one of the things I love about this church is it's all about outreach. It's about touching people's lives in our community and all around us, wherever we go, whatever we do. So I've been blessed. So a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. I'll also tell you, there's many times I've been with families and people, individuals, that have not had a faith in Jesus Christ. And it's given me the opportunity to share my faith with them and what it means to have a relationship with the one who so desires to have a relationship with you and with me. It's that living hope that we have as believers. It's the living hope that Pastor Doug shared on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day here. That's what we have as Christians, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, I can remember being at the bedside of, of many people. Some tough times. Tough times when I can say uh, they were just ready to enter glory. I can remember being at the bedside of a man of a dear daughter here that I'm looking at. who lived a rough life, made some tough decisions, right? But came to accept Jesus Christ as his savior while I was on the floor, on the knees by his bed at Medi Lodge. He died just a few hours later. You see, that's a blessed time, a sacred time. And I've been in many sacred times and moments with families. Hardly a week goes by. You know, one of my favorite stores is Menards, and I don't go there to walk around so much, but usually on a mission, but there's hardly a time that I go to any box store or a grocery store, mask on, where someone doesn't say, I know you. Ah, then you wonder, okay, what do they know? What do they remember? But usually it comes back to a visit somewhere, hospital, funeral, wedding, or here, right here. It's a joy. It's a joy to have had an impact on so many lives, and, and I pray that you too have impact on people's lives. You see, it's not about me. It's about what he's done in me. In 2008, I heard God's call to the ministry. And one of the things that I picked that laid on my heart was a scripture. A scripture that, how did it speak to me? And I was brought to 1 Timothy. This is the scripture that I have had indelibly etched in me. In 1 Timothy 1, starting with verse 15. And this is a trustworthy saying that is worthy of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But I was shown mercy, that in me Christ might reveal his unlimited patience to those who believe on him and receive eternal life. 
And then I love the end. And now to the King eternal, immortal, the one true God, be honor and glory, both now and forevermore. Those words are my words. Well, they're not mine. They're God's word. But they're, they're about, they speak to my life. So I stand before you today as a man, yes, that had a Damascus experience. In 2004, I recommitted my life to Christ. Never realized I'd ever be in the ministry. In fact, if you would have asked me this 20 years ago, I would have said, you got to be crazy, and I might have added a couple adjectives with it. <laughs> but it, this marks the last Sunday of 2020. What do you remember of 2020? <laughs> I think it's a nightmare in some ways. What a year it's been. But in some ways, it's been a blessing. We've had to slow down a little bit, haven't we? haven't been able to do some of the things that we always wanted to do or we like doing. No great fanfare in 2020 began until March. And then you know what hit the fan. In fact, I can remember us talking to staff thinking, oh, we'll just be closed down for a couple weeks. Well, that couple weeks turned into months, which is why I'm so glad we're all here together. And I love having you all online too. So. The fact that you're worshiping with us is wonderful as well. We've reached out to thousands of people through these last nine months. We estimate over 2,000 people watch online every Sunday. That's amazing that they could hear the gospel of Jesus Christ come from here. But I remember I thinking about just a couple years ago, we were away and I thought, Oh, what does this summer season remind me of? And I thought of, oh, I know, Under Armour clothes. Saw a lot of Under Armour clothes a couple years ago. And Yeti coolers. Never knew what a Yeti cooler was until a couple years ago. And then what else? Hammocks and bags, those kind that you see. Our neighbors still have two of them out in, front, in the front yard right now. Doesn't look too appealing to me. But then there's 2020. What do you remember of this year? Isolation, fear, distrust? Well, how about some physical things? I think one of the things I remember are these trucks with a little swirl on them. I've never seen so many Amazon trucks in my life. In fact, a day doesn't seem to go by where I feel bad we don't get a package. Just kidding, honey. <laughs> Just kidding. But how about uh, designer mask? And then Zoom calls. Never knew what a Zoom call was until not that many months ago. And now I'm allergic to Zoom. <laughs> Break out in hives. Oh. But the fact is, this has been a year in many ways of distress. From a marine standpoint, from a boater, it'd be like getting on your radio and crying out, Mayday, Mayday, and not hearing any response back. And the response you seem to hear, have heard was virtual at best. Where's the Coast Guard when you need them? Boy, do I wish things could be a little different than they have been. And this is not the way I pictured leaving the ministry. 
It's been a difficult time not to be able to go into facilities, to hospitals to see people. I can't tell you uh, when I hear like John Bursma and, and, that's, and what's happened with him. Um, normally, I would have left this service and been at Butterworth. But it's a time of, in this time of uncertainty, there still is hope. There's still joy, there's still love, and there's still peace. So the mor- this morning, what I want to share with you is what I believe is a beautiful way to end this year and a great way to begin 2021. You see, there's nothing more foundational, nothing more of a bedrock to our faith than the covenantal relationship that God has with his people. And that covenant, when I say covenant, you might think of marriage, and that is a covenant, when you make and establish a relationship with one another. But a covenant is a relationship that God has with his people. It's also a covenant that he has made with his son, with the Holy Spirit. Covenantal belief and foundation is what I'll say is the bedrock of our reformed faith. It's those covenants that God made with his people. Ever since Adam, Noah, Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, God has made covenants with each of them. And there's one thing, maybe in the way of city slickers, remember that one? There's just one thing you should know. God never breaks his covenant. Never. So what I want to share with you is, I think, probably one of the most beautiful covenantal pictures that we have in Scripture. It's the gospel. The writer of Hebrews wrote these words, and I called it the farewell benediction. But it's a benediction. It's a beautiful benediction. It's a seven-part prayer, actually. And seven, when you think of seven, scripturally, biblically, you think of seven means a wholeness, a completeness. This is a complete benediction, a prayerful benediction. And it's in Hebrews 13. 20 and 21. So, I invite you, let's look at this one, and we're going to go through each of the parts of that prayer together. Don't worry, you'll get home in time for dinner. What's for dinner? Oh. Not that it's about food, but apparently it is. You know, I know that. So these were the words of the writer of Hebrews. Now may the God of peace who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in you what is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. My friends, that is... That's a lot there, a benediction that says so much about God's covenantal relationship with his people. So I don't have the power to write a benediction or really to say it, but as an agent, we can say, I can 
give that benediction. Just as God told Aaron and Moses in number six to give the benediction, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face to you. And I always love how Pastor Trent says this, as he smiles at you and give you, now I will say, his shalom. Shalom, a perfect peace. It's that perfect peace. Now that, may that God of peace, the God of peace, this peace is from God, the author of shalom. Shalom in Hebrew is a perfect peace. It's peace with one another. It's peace with God. It's peace with nature. It's a complete peace, a perfect peace that only existed before the fall of Adam. When God had that walking with that knowing, walking, talking, loving relationship with Adam and Eve. When all creation was untainted by sin. So what this benediction begins with, now may the God of peace. The fact is, this is the very author of peace. God is the author of peace. It's why in Ephesians, Paul says in Ephesians 6.15, at your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. There's a peace. And see, my friends, this is not a peace that exists horizontally. This is a peace that God gives us vertically in our relationship with him. So despite this pandemic, despite the political turmoil we continue to be basking in, there's a peace that goes way beyond all of that. It's the peace we have through Jesus Christ, through the redemption of his people, of God's people, through his son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we might cry out, peace, peace, and there seemingly is no peace. Can't help it. The other day I was reading about what's happening around the world and, and, and to our sisters and brothers in Africa, specifically Nigeria. Do you realize in the last 10 years, over 100,000 Christians have been killed in Nigeria. I don't know about you. I can't imagine living in that kind of turmoil. Can you? But there's a peace. And then you read stories of those that have been in prison, tortured, that they, they will stand for Christ no matter what. They will give their life. Again, reminded to all of us, who gave their life for us. But God, and in uh, Colossians, Paul says this, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his shed blood on the cross. Romans 8 38 and 39, some of the best-known scripture that people will share today. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing, nothing can separate us. That's the vertical relationship we have 
from this God of peace. Now he continues with who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus. In Hebrews, this is the only explicit mention of the resurrection. But in Hebrews 1.3, it says this, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The very one who was found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and was obedient to death, even to death on the cross. So the very proof of acceptance of Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf is the resurrection and his exaltation to the right hand of God. You see, the resurrection manifested his glory as the prince of life and the conqueror of death. Yes. Now may the God of peace who brought his son Jesus from the dead, again from the dead, our Lord Jesus. But now we continue in the prayer and it goes on to say that great shepherd of the sheep. Some interesting words that the writer selected here using shepherd, didn't talk about Jesus as the mediator or high priest, but a shepherd. And maybe you were taken as I was when I first read this benediction, when I was first contemplating, first pondering how this might fit as a very applicable message. I thought of John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as I know the Father and the Father knows me. But then I realized, oh no, there's much more of a depth to this even than just this. This is pointing to Jesus. And I think it goes back to Ezekiel 34 and 37, where Ezekiel writes, and I'll share some select verses from both of these chapters. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, declares the Lord. And I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be king over them. And they shall live, have, all have one shepherd. And I will make, listen to these words, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. These words of the prophet Ezekiel were the fulfillment of Jesus and his covenant and the covenant promises for his people. Pastor and theologian, one of my favorites, good Baptist minister, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. How many of you have heard of Charles Spurgeon? Good, there's, there's a good handful, good. Well, Spurgeon said this about this text. He said, in the covenant, we are the sheep. The Lord Jesus is the shepherd. And he goes on, he says, you can't covenant with sheep. They have no ability to covenant. But you can make a covenant with the shepherd for the sheep. And so glory be to God. Though we had gone astray like sheep, we belong to Jesus. And he made a covenant on our behalf 
and stood, stood before us before the living God. Isn't that a picture? This covenantal benediction now, it continues with, by what was Jesus raised from the dead? By the blood of the eternal covenant. Jesus who suffered and died was crowned with glory and honor. And what insight do we have in the resurrection but an eternal agreement between the Father and the Son? Do you ever think of that? That agreement between the Father and the Son. Jesus' resurrection was a promise and a pact to the Son in the covenant of redemption before the beginning of time. Yes, before those covenants that were made with Adam, with Noah, with Abraham, Moses, Isaac, Jacob, David, before time even began, there was a covenantal relationship and a pact made between the Father and the Son. That's the basis of what you and I can celebrate in the covenant of redemption. That's the living hope you have amidst a world of uncertainty and tumult, tumultuousness. That's the living hope we have. It's as if the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 2.9, let me tell you what was behind Jesus being crowned with glory and honor because of his suffering and his death and what was behind his resurrection, but an eternal agreement, yes, between the Father and the Son. Spurgeon went on to say this, and I love these words. He said, the work he has done has pleased the Father, and therefore he has brought him back from among the dead. Before God had spoken existence out of nothing, before an angel's wing, wing had stirred the unnavigated cosmos, before a solitary song had disturbed the solemnity of silence in which God reigned supreme, he had entered into a solemn council with himself, with his Son, and with the Holy Spirit. And had that council decreed, determined, purposed, and predestined the salvation of his people. Is that beautiful or what? But now the prayer ends just after this dance, what I call the dance of the Trinity. The prayer ends with this, the heart of the petition or request. The writer of Hebrews now asks, he says, that God would equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight. Maybe brings you, brought me to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, for it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one of us can boast. For we are God's workmanship, his poema, his masterpiece that was created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you and for me to do. So what is the chief end of man? The Westminster Shorter Catechism says this in question and answer one. What is the chief end of man but to glorify God and to enjoy him forever? So what does that look like? What does it look like for you and I as we come to the end of, of this year and the beginning of a new year? It's this. 
Jesus, before he left, he brought his disciples. They were on the mountain. And he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, of all peoples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I have commanded you to do. And remember, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And he'll be with us through times like 2020, like this pandemic. He'll be with us through times of illness, through sickness, through death. Because as believers, as those who believe and have faith instilled in them by God's grace, we have the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A new command, Jesus said in John 13, 34, a new command I give you. You're to love one another as I have loved you. You are to love one another. By this, the whole world will know you are my disciples. So my friends, as you listen to those words of this, what I'll call farewell benediction, a benediction of God's covenantal promise, his promise to you through his son, through the power of the Holy Spirit to give you and I the living hope we have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, through the blood of the eternal covenant. Some of the words that I believe fit this very well, and maybe we'll put a bow on it in some way, are words of 1 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 3. Some beautiful words. They're entitled, The Living Hope We Have. Praise be to God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for us who through faith are shielded by God's power till the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last day. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may suffer grief in all kinds of trials. This is so your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, is proved genuine and may result in praise, honor, and glory when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you do not see him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your covenant, your promises to your people. We thank you for the power, the dance of the Trinity. We thank you that you called you sent your son, for God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him.
through Jesus. And it's our living Lord and Savior's name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.